Hello, everybody. I'm Silvahara Pettyon. Welcome to another edition of the Silvahara Pettyon Show. Today, I have a special guest for you. Someone who is a dear friend of mine, but also someone who has an incredible story of perseverance, of persistence, of overcoming the odds, and just a, simply an inspiration and a joy to be around. But before I introduce her, I want to show you a little bit about her. 7 News reporter Ann Keel is live with this exclusive from Northwest Miami-Dade. Good morning again. Let's get straight to the latest on the tropics. It's a tour of a police department without a fun ride. Right now we are inside the police department's Bearcat and Tristan is having a good time. My name is Ann Keel Ducks. I'm an Emmy Award winning journalist turned communications coach and consultant. Oddly enough, my story began as a shy kid, too afraid to speak in class, but I worked on it. I invested in myself and I learned what it means to communicate effectively when seconds matter, even when my heart was pumping out of my chest. The officers are handing out this flyer of the shooters. As you can see, though, there are no pictures, just the description of two young men, possibly between 18 and 19 years old. Joining me today is Ann Keel Ducks, and she worked at WSVN Channel 7 in Miami for about 10 years. She is an Emmy award-winning journalist. She worked in Tennessee, Indianapolis, Orlando, and finally made it to Miami, her hometown. And she is joining us today to share a little bit about her journey and her story. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Silva. I'm honored to be here on your show. Um, we are going to talk about, uh, first and foremost, thank you for your friendship. You've always been so awesome and amazing. Um, we spent so much time running past each other or hanging out together uh, on stories when we were working in Miami because, you know, there's a lot of time to be wasted as we wait for news to develop. And, you know, we've gotten to know each other a little bit during that time and afterwards. But part of the reason why I wanted you on this program is because, you are the epitome of what it's like to pivot. You are an example and an inspiration of what it's like to take something that is awful and terrible and then turn it into something amazing. So I know this all sounds very vague, but I'm being vague on purpose because I actually wanted to tell the story. Um, for those of you who don't know, Anne no longer works in television. She is now a communication consultant and expert and coach. She just launched a program called Live Impact Online, and she helps uh, businesses and executives and many of you who are now in this world of Zooming, <laughs> having to do live presentations, that she actually helps you be better at it. So before we got started, I was like, don't judge me, okay? <laughs> Silva, you're always doing a great job. You know, and I think the course really speaks to the time we're in this moment where we are more reliant on technology than ever before, and we have a choice. Do we say, oh, I have Zoom fatigue, I am not getting into another meeting, you know, what happened to old school text messaging? Um, or you can harness that technology and use it to make your communication skill set more effective. And I think that's even more important because we're realizing now that our world is smaller. We used to say, oh, Miami is small eventually, right? Or, or New York or LA, oh, it ends up becoming small at one point. If this pandemic taught us anything, it's that our world is so small and there's so many shared experiences. So in my mind, if I have the privilege of teaching 
other people uh, what I learned out in the field, like Silva experienced, um, the good and the bad, then we're in a win-win situation. So I'm really enjoying teaching Live Impact Online. And, and thank you, Silva, for mentioning it as well. It's, uh, it's a new program, but it's been really successful so far. Yeah, and we're going to make sure that everybody knows where to find it and how to get to it towards the end of the program. But the, one of the biggest reasons I really wanted you on the program is because, you know, during this pandemic, um, I have tried to have com the difficult conversations, the conversations that we need to have, um, those who are in the middle of a challenge and have figured out a way to actually cope with things, and those who are having a difficult time talking about the things that we need to talk about. It was an opportunity for me to really dig a little bit deeper uh, about the topics that matter, that are, is going to help us propel forward and help us give hope. And you're one of the people that came to mind because you went through this incredible journey and this incredible challenge and a really hard time in your life having to make some really challenging decisions before the pandemic w was even something that we were worried about. So I want to talk a little bit about, I think you have incredible insight on how to navigate those kinds of circumstances. So I want to talk a little bit about that. For those of you who don't know, and um, I can't remember, did you leave before or after? Well, you know what? Why don't we just I, tell the story? Why don't we just tell the story? So Anne was working at WSVN and she met the love of her life, right? Yeah, and you yeah. you had a wedding date planned. And uh, and then what happened? So um, five weeks before... I can't believe you're already making me talk about this, Silva. You are in trouble. Uh, five weeks before I was going to be married, Um and keep in mind, I lived all over the country, as Silva mentioned, so I had friends all over the country, and my husband is Australian, uh, but he grew up in London and has friends all over the world. So five weeks before this big event was going to happen, um, I found out I had cancer. So it was certainly shocking. I think it was a moment where I was moving 100 miles an hour, and for a while I knew something was wrong, I felt a little bit of grittiness under my skin, right uh, near my jawline, uh, near my, between my ear and my jawline. And then all of a sudden I felt a lump. And I went to several ENTs and each one said, oh, maybe she has a brain tumor. Maybe it's this. And um, no one had any answers for me. And so I, I kept going to different doctors. And finally, I ended up at University of Miami Health System. And I went to this ENT who is an angel and shockingly, his last name is Angeli. I don't know how that happens. Um, and my husband and I had a joint appointment, as funny as that is, because he thought he had an ear infection. He'd been um, trying to prepare for his next Ironman competition. And so the doctor's like, oh, you're easy. You definitely have an ear infection. Here are these drops. And then he looked at me and he said, you know, I just don't know what this is. And in that moment, I felt better than in any other doctor's office I'd been in because he was wise enough to be okay with not knowing. And that was the first time I'd been in that situation. And that was really the beginning of what was a positive journey, as much as it ended up being about cancer, um, in a health system that really listened to the patients. I ended up in a rheumatologist's office, and then I ended up at Sylvester Comprehensive Cancer Center. And... It's a strange situation because I had, um, I had just buried um, a man who was 
you know, a, a father figure to me and um, had to take off work. And um, it was the next day that I had my appointment. And I didn't even look at the sign as I walked in because I'd been to so many appointments and I know a lot of people have been there before where they just don't know what's wrong. And I just had become numb to it. And I just walked in and I sat there and then all of a sudden things slowed down. And it was almost like a movie where you're outside of it and you're watching things happen around you. And I remember the doctor coming in and then an extra nurse came in and she was holding a tissue box. And I thought to myself, that's strange. And I just remember the doctor saying, you know, you have cancer. And I, whoop, you know, it still comes back. But um, I remember thinking nothing. <laughs> and all I could say was we were planning on having a baby. And that's all I said. I, um, I don't remember the rest of it. I just remember getting my car and, and driving home and, you know, telling people, which is the hardest part. You know, I think when something's happened to you like that, we are strong and we can figure it out. But telling the people who you love is so much harder. And so I had to go through the line of my parents and my husband, or then not husband yet. <laughs> he hadn't signed the line yet. Um, but, um, and I remember that being such a shocking moment, but one where I realized, you know what? I can't make plans for three months from now, a year from now, but I can make plans for the next few weeks. And so I said, we're getting married. I don't care. We are getting married. And so I only told some people, I, um, I, I didn't want to be a victim. I didn't want it to take away from this shared experience. And, um, and we got married on a Friday and I had cancer surgery on Tuesday and we did not have a romantic getaway. My husband was giving me sponge baths and I was trying to, you know, walk through the house and move around. Um, the cancer was in my parotid gland, which is your largest salivary gland. So they actually had to remove the gland and uh, remove lymph nodes out of my neck. And they pulled fat from my stomach. Thank you, cheeseburgers that I ate. <laughs> and they, um, they put that into my face to level it out. Um, in the beginning, after surgery, I had muscle weakness. I, my husband and I used to laugh when I could laugh again that I had a crazy eye because my face had completely dropped and I just had this one eye that would not close. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but it was like the first time I laughed after surgery um, in such a dark slash shocking time. Um, and and then each day things got better. And um, And I think, I love this quote that I heard and I don't even know when it was, but it's what matters most is how well you walk through the fire. And to me, it means we have things that happen to us. Sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes it's life. But when we're in those hardest moments, that's not who we are. It's who we are afterwards. It's what we do with that pain. And I, you, know, you hear people talking about it a lot, but it's turning that pain into purpose and figuring out your passion. So um, at the time, I was on medical leave from the TV station, and I wasn't healthy enough to return at the end of medical leave. And um, I think even the thought of running into a fire. Uh, which, we literally, which we literally do 90% uh, of the which, time. Which right. we did, right? Um, I just 
couldn't sign off on that knowing that I just beat something that I was lucky to have beat. I ended up with stage one cancer. Um, they were going to cut my facial nerve initially to make sure they had a clear margin, which would mean my face would be paralyzed on one side. I signed off on that and I was lucky. They said, you know what? When we got in there, we realized we can try and work around this. So um, talk to me about just, that because talk, talk to me about that because, you know, I remember having this conversation with you um, afterwards um, for someone who has spent their entire adult life um, building a career that is dependent on your face right and how you look um and that sounds vain to a lot of people but that's just the truth if you're in television and you're, you're a television reporter um being able to deliver the news without any other distractions and is important so you spent you know you you move to knoxville tennessee you go to indiana you go to orlando and then you come back to miami and you you're in miami for 10 years and and you're busting your butt for the, the opportunity to be even more elevated. This is this is what we call building the career for the moment and the situation or the circumstance where you can you want to relish in the glory of that success. And then all of a sudden, bam, you know, you get a piece of news that could literally in a split second end your entire career. I cannot I mean I can because I've been through something pretty similar or close, but what was going through your mind at that moment in time? Because that is the hardest thing when it's out of your control. I think that it makes you dig deep. And I always tell people, all of my clients, dig deeper, dig deeper, find your purpose, find your authentic voice, figure out what moves you and follow that. And that's what I did for myself. You know, I used to coach my friends that way, I think, throughout my whole life. You know, I'm that person you call. I'm that 2 a.m. call for a lot of people. And so I coached myself. And, and I thought, this happened for a reason. Um, I can only control so much. But for the things that I can control, I need to make some decisions. I'm not going to sit paralyzed. And I know it's just a normal thing to be paralyzed. I gave myself a few days. Even when I got my diagnosis, um, I, I was a mess. <laughs> I was a mess. But that was okay. Because if you start to put all your emotions aside to be safe, to be okay, what happens is they start piling up. Mm -hmm. And at some mm -hmm. point, you can't handle it anymore. And you can't do the normal things. And so for me, I digested it in nuggets. And that's how I see everything in life. When things happen, especially tough things, and this is one of my tough things, I digest it in nuggets. And then I keep moving forward. And perhaps it was something that I learned in news. I think when you start off, you realize either there are people in the business who just don't care about other people and just want to be on TV. And then there are people who have to learn how to separate themselves from their emotions. And that's for anyone. That's for EMTs, firefighters, doctors. You have to learn how to separate your emotions so you can do your job and do your job well because doing your job well means taking care of people. And so setting it aside, digesting in nuggets was, was what was going through my mind. 
And so bit by bit, I figured out that I needed more joy in my life. I needed to be healthy as my doctor told me I needed to be. Perhaps I needed someone in my face to say, listen, you need to stop. You're moving 100 miles an hour. You're doing great. You are successful. You now have an amazing husband. All of these things are happening for you. But is this really what you wanted? Is this the picture that you see 5, 10, 15 years from now? And these conversations are really hard. And a lot of us don't want to have them because sometimes you'll end up writing something down if you like to write or saying something out loud or sharing it with someone else that if you say it out loud, it makes it more real. And then you have to do something about it, right? You're more responsible to it. That's right. You can't, you um, can't, I, you can't ignore it. You can't ignore it. You have to, you know, you, it's you know, staring you back I, in your face. And um, now, 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 you know, now it's out there. Now it's public. Now it's, you know. Yeah. And so I, and I remember I, I wrote a blog entry about it because that was, I, you know, I'm a writer and I, I wrote this entry and it just freed me a little. And so I just did, started to do things that freed me, that freed me from it. And I took on the idea that, you know, I'm a survivor and, and I could probably say I'm a survivor in many ways because of what I've experienced in my life. But again, I was a survivor and, um, and I was proud. I was proud of what I was able to, to accomplish. I actually, um, four months after my cancer surgery, um, I found out I was pregnant and, um, that was surprising and exciting and amazing because as you all probably remember that was something that was top of mind for me when um, I heard the news about the cancer and it's funny stepping back a bit because I was always a working woman I never had time for these complex relationships and I never thought about you know having babies and so on it just wasn't a part of my DNA when I was younger because I was so dogged in my pursuit of creating impact and so here I was, uh, pregnant, still recovering from cancer, and building a business. And then, of course, because I'm me, and my husband would probably laugh at this, I signed up for a, um, an executive MBA program at UM. <laughs> this is why you and I are friends. <laughs> Silva laughs, I know. Because I realized when I was having those conversations with myself and talking to myself, which I recommend to everyone, um, that... There was so much I wanted to learn to have a life that was filled with more joy. And I'm a big believer in being a lifelong learner. I know Silva is as well. Um, and, and that was just a part of, of my path moving forward. But I think it's also too realizing that sometimes, and I, I was this person, I was a TV news reporter that was so ingrained in my DNA that I didn't know who I was without that job. I didn't know who I was without the TV station I worked for. Mm-hmm. I struggled with that. And, and it, that took me a lot of time. It took me a lot of time to know that I had to walk away from that career that I felt successful in, but certainly had my eye on what could be next. But, um, but realizing that I think was just, was just important and, and realizing that we're always evolving. We're always pivoting. At the end of the day, something I've known since I was young is that I'm a storyteller. I love people. I 
embrace family and community. I have a strong sense of civic duty. I love photography and videography and, and all of those things in a mixing bowl made sense at the time to become a TV news reporter. And today they still make sense in my day to day. I'm just a communications coach and consultant. I love my job too. So um, I'm just I'm just continuing to evolve. Yeah, I love it. This is this is the benefit of having a uh, journalist. I feel and I call you a journalist because once a journalist, always a journalist. So I it, it's who we are and not what we do. So um, the benefit of it is I don't have to do much much work of asking you questions because you you are so great and uh, at the narrative and telling your story. But you know, part of the other reason I really thought this conversation was important was was one acknowledging your story because I think. It is so important to honor your journey and the process that you've been through. It is so inspiring and motivating to those who are finding themselves in the middle of something similar to that. All those feelings, it may not be cancer, but the feeling of trying to find your identity, feeling feeling of having to leave a career or losing something um, or having a vision for yourself that is no longer true. All of those things are what we are all feeling because of the pandemic, because of the current circumstances. People are losing their jobs. People are having to switch careers in their 40s and 50s. People are having to figure life out. People are having to figure out their new identities. And hearing stories like this and hearing people like you talk about how you did it and how you do it, and God knows I'm still in the middle of it, um, makes moving forward tangible and a reality it makes it gives it a, a life it gives it breath it gives it um a, a method it makes it a step-by-step -step process for people right um rather than this daunting overwhelming thing that you know is the, the cloud that's over your head that you just can't shake somehow so if you find yourself in any of those places um you know and you can add to this know that part of figuring out how to get to the other side is getting up every morning and and at and if that's hard for you to do trust me i know <laughs> there have been moments where it's hard it's been hard for me to get out of bed but you know i started as small as this morning i'm going to get out of bed i'm going to get dressed i'm going to do the i'm going to make my bed and the next morning was, I'm going to get out of bed, I'm going to get dressed, I'm going to make the bed, and I'm going to make myself coffee. The next morning was, I'm going to get out of bed, I'm going to get dressed, I'm going to do the bed, I'm going to make myself coffee, and I'm going to read something. And every single day, you add something else, and you make that your routine. Every day, that, that little physical element of taking a step forward just without you even knowing mentally pushes you forward until you do enough of those, like you said, the bite-sized steps in, in increments where you now, now getting out of bed, getting dressed, doing the bed, having coffee, reading something, writing in your journal, you know, listening to the news or calling a friend or whatever it is that you want to add becomes second nature. When, once that becomes second nature, then you do something else. You know, part of me starting these conversations was me implementing that for myself. I was losing my mind being in the circumstances that I was in because before the pandemic, I had experienced two other blows, right? And I just felt paralyzed because things happen to you. And some of them 
are your fault and some of them are not, right? And I love how you eloquently explained how you coached yourself through the process. And I think part of us having the skill as journalists is being lucky to know how to compartmentalize things and how to take things in bite-sized pieces and break them down in a way where we can process it. But I'm discovering that this is not a skill that a lot of people have. Um, any other tools and tips you want to add to this for anyone who's listening, who finds themselves in that position to figure out how to get to the next place in life, how to move forward, what to do to get themselves out of bed and moving towards a positive direction? Well, when I think about negative things that, that are brewing in your inner monologue, mm -hmm. to me, and I'm such a visual person, so bear with me, but if I, if I have these thoughts in my head, what if, what if I die? What if I'm sick? What if he doesn't want to marry me anymore? Those things if they're brewing in my head, what do I do with them? Oh. And so part oh. of getting to that next step is <laughs> part of getting to that next step is, is deciding how you're going to deal with them in a healthy way and getting them out, right? Like get, find a cathartic way to get them out. And, and Silva mentioned a few, um, calling a friend. This is so not fair. You just made me cry. This is, <laughs> You know, I never told you this, but I, you remember us having, we, I mean, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but we had sushi um, over on Sunset Harbor. Do you remember that? Yeah, Sushi Garage. At, at sushi, I don't even know if it's still there, but we, we ate there after you had left and after you had, it, it was the first opportunity I had to speak with you about all of this. And I went home and cried and not because, not for any other reason than just feeling what you must have been going through and this is the other part and you know you can add to this is it you know being who we are we're so private and we're so we're seen as such people as we're so well put together and we're so strong and we've got our ish figured out that that it's so it's so much harder for us to even sort of share some of that stuff for, with people right so you had been going through this journey for a while and I've known you and I didn't know any of that. And I just, I felt so sad and upset because I could feel just what you said. What the things that must've been going through your head. What if he doesn't want to marry me anymore? What if I die? What if I never work again? What if I, like all of these unknowns are so heavy to, to carry for someone so young, so, so, so well put together, someone who's so on the outside, so successful. And I think that's the perception that we have to shatter to say, just because things look X way on the outside, it doesn't mean that they're perfect on the inside. So talk about that too. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, I want to give you props I'm for making me cry before you cried. <laughs> no, I'm glad you said that. And you know, you mentioned the idea of we're, none of us are an Instagram story or posts, right? right? These are highlight reels. Right. Um, and, right. and for so long, women in the news business and women in business in industries of all kinds feel like and potentially need to be strong, be stronger than their male counterparts. The world's changing. There's good happening. 
but we have to fight. And I don't mean with our words, but we have to fight. And so for me and for you, when we talk about separating our emotions, that was a way for us to be successful at our jobs um, and to also be able to be successful in our own lives to a certain extent. Um, and when you talk about people understanding that everything's not so perfect, right? You see those TV news reporters on TV or there's actresses or whoever it is. It's not all fairy tales. But also, taking it a step further, it's okay to be beautiful and battered. It's okay to be strong and vulnerable, right? We, for, so much, for so many of us, we decide that we just don't want people to know that we have vulnerable moments or that we're weak or that we've been victimized because all of a sudden that makes us weak. Right. Whatever it might be, it's almost like we don't wanna share that part of ourselves. But what I've learned over time, and I used to put it away, compartmentalize that, is the more I shared, the more authentic my relationships became. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. built relationships that will last a lifetime. And I built relationships that I can call so many more people at 2 a.m. And so while my struggle with, with cancer was quieter in the beginning uh, because it was so big and I had to figure it out first before I shared it with everyone else because there is that added responsibility that comes with that. Mm -hmm. um, it seemed to work for me, but everybody has their own recipe. However, I don't care if you are a writer, I don't care if you, you know, like to use your, your um, audio recording on your cell phone. My recommendation for everyone is to write down your thoughts or record it on your cell phone. And you, you know what? Roll it up in a ball afterwards, throw it away. You don't have to keep it. I'm not telling you to keep a journal or a diary. That's, it's not for anyone else and it's not even for you unless you do wanna keep it. It's about letting it out. So when I was talking about before about how these thoughts are just brewing in your head, the way to let them out is to let them out. Use pen and paper, type it. Talk to your phone, just you, and have that conversation. And I just think that it is so cathartic. It helps you better connect your mind and your body to digest it in nuggets, as I mentioned, so you can potentially create lists of what you're going to do, as Silva mentioned. You know, what's tomorrow going to look like? And you can do that in your personal life, your professional life, or, or everything, you know, in between. Every day, I create a list. It's just important yeah. to me. Do I mark everything off? No, but I create a list of what I want to happen to bring me joy in all different aspects of my life. Yeah, and 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 the other part of it is, um, you you hold yourself accountable to a lot of that stuff when you write it down. First, you got to bust that bubble to let everything out, and then the next thing is to know that you know you have you have to do something about it. Um, you, you can't sit around or lay around and, I mean, you can, if that's what you want to do, but I have yet to meet someone who doesn't want to get out of the funk that they're in. And there are so many of us in so many ways, um, in the middle of this, so many people facing joblessness, homelessness, eviction, you know, um, no paycheck, no opportunity, no, I mean, all, I hear it around me. Um, from from people who I never thought I would I would even see in those kinds of circumstances and it's not the fire you're in as you said it's how you walk through the fire and you may end up 
you know, having to crawl out of the fire and burned and battered and, you know, destroyed on some, some way. But if you're still standing, you're still standing at some point, you can shake it off and dust yourself off and move forward. And, um, thank you for being so real and authentic about your journey. I think this was an important conversation to have because it gives people hope. It gives people, um, opportunity to be authentic. Um, I think this, this social media world that we live in, um, this highlight reel, um, really is putting a lot of pressure on people who are trying their best and feel like they just can't get out of whatever situation they're in because they compare themselves to someone else's highlight reel. Um, and if we strive to be more authentic and we share our moments and our struggles and our vulnerabilities, then I feel like we're giving everyone else permission to not be okay and say, I'm working through whatever it is I'm working through. And as long as you're working through it, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter where, we, where you are in the process. As long as you're working through it, you are making progress. And that's, that's what matters. That's what's important. So I'm so proud of you. Um, not only, not only did you get, not only did you like leave your job and said, nope, this is not how I want to live my life. I know I have committed how many years? Was it about 15 years? 17 years? Uh, <laughs> no, you're giving me you're giving me more credit. It was closer to about 11 or so. Okay, 11 years. I've committed 11 years of my life building this career and this identity, but that no longer I'm strong enough and mature enough to say that that no longer serves me and that's that's not where I want to be with my life. That's not how how I want to live and that takes incredible amount of courage to then pivot and you took care of your health and you took care of the cancer and then you became you became a wife you became a mother by the way he is so adorable so cute thank you <laughs> and on top of that um um you, you finished your MBA and you launched a, a business so you know it's possible it's doable it's possible and we have look we have one life we have one life and if you just, i just sometimes i say that to myself when i get look we have the moments where we're weak and we go back to our thoughts or whatever it might be but i just tell myself i have one life this is this is my moment what am i going to do with it and making that decision is so important and on top of of course Silva and i giving recommendations about what to do next you know how to get up in the morning i think also being cautious of the fact that we need to be kind to ourselves you know we're taught as young people as kids to be kind to others to share but we're so not nice to ourselves the way we are nice to other people. So next time you're nice to someone, think about being that way to yourself and patience. We're so patient with people. We, you know, we allow people to do all sorts of things. And we say, it's okay, apologize, right? Be patient with yourself. Know that this is an evolution. Know that this is a journey. Keep pushing, but be okay with the moment too and try and really live in it. Stop yourself when you're going 100 miles an hour. And I'm not saying don't work hard. I mean, I work hard. I work all hours. My husband's, you know, on me about that as he works a lot of hours too. Um, but just being patient and, um, and finding the joy in life wherever you find it is, is what it's all about. Yeah, that's great. A um, couple of questions I'm going to ask because I'm vain like that. <laughs> These are the questions that I normally get, right? Like, what was the what was the best moment as a TV reporter? Do you remember? Oh gosh, best moment as a TV news reporter. 
Silva, you're mean to me. Uh, this one's actually going to sound really strange, and then people are going to say, wow, okay, she's, she's a pretty strange woman. Um, I remember, actually, there's two moments, but I'm going to go with this first one I came up with. Um, I remember my first TV station in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I was just out of grad school. I had gotten my master's in journalism and public affairs, basically politics and media. And I had gone out on a story with another reporter, but this was my solo assignment. It was at night. Meanwhile, I didn't even know where Knoxville, Tennessee was until I actually was living there like 24 hours later. <laughs> Coming from Miami, I thought there was a Nashville, but that's all. Anyway, so I am literally at the top of a mountain, pitch black because there were no lights. Um, in severe weather, there was a helicopter crash and there was a downpour. And I'm this young 20-something reporter in my suit with my big hair, chasing this sheriff around from this small town, trying to get the information about what happened. And we're, we couldn't even reach the crash site, so I couldn't even describe it and show it to people. And, and I'd never been live on TV, so I'm scribbling on my notepad all the things that he told me as I'm like chasing after him. And I swear it was a minute before I went live, it, the rain just started coming down and then the light, the main light fell and I looked down at my notepad and all of the ink is just gone. I mean, blurred. I mean, it was a beautiful painting. It was no longer words. And I remember thinking, yeah, this is the end. I thought this was the beginning. This is the end for me. And so I got through the live shot somehow. I remembered some things. Um, and then at the end I realized I have no idea where I am or what and I'm maybe doing. that was symbolic and some kind of parallel because I was like, I don't know. And I, all I said was, thank you. And I ended my first live shot of all time saying, thank you, because I couldn't tell people where I was because I had no idea what was I going to say. I was on the top of a mountain in a rainstorm and I just moved here. And so I remember this because when I walked back into that station, I couldn't have been more embarrassed, more paralyzed with fear of what I was going to hear from my boss. And instead, it was a moment where in an environment where it's very much sink or swim, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I heard the words I needed to, which was, this is just the beginning, right? We fall down, we make mistakes, we learn. We learn from those moments. So when you asked me the best time for reporting, it had to have been my first live shot where I think it was probably my worst day and my best day um, on news. Uh, but it was wonderful all the same because there was so many lessons to be learned. Yeah. It's so funny. As you're telling the story, I, I am drawing the parallel of everything that we talk about. Um, of, of walking through a fire to come out on the other end and realizing that on a daily basis, that's literally what we did, right? We walk through uh, covering a story, regardless of what it is, you are walking through the fire and the, the goal is for you to just come out alive on the other end. That's it. So, you know, I know we talk about this and this sound and all some of the things that we talk about sounds really, they sound simple but I want to acknowledge that they're not easy. 
And they are a lot easier for people like us to implement because I am now realizing and acknowledging the fact that this is a skill that we have developed throughout the years by being a journalist and doing it on a daily basis. So, um, you know, I am here to answer questions for you. If this is something that you're struggling with, send me a DM. I'm giving you an opportunity and an invite, open invite to send me a note on social media if you want to talk through this, because I recognize that sometimes the it's, it sounds a lot easier than it really is. So um, um, I, I get that. And, and we're fortunate to have had the, to develop the skill to be able to then Im- implement it in our lives when necessary. So, all right. So best, best time and worst time. I asked that question because I always get asked that question and I hate answering that question because there's so oh, many. Oh, that's so mean, Silva. And I but, went dark. You know, I think I went dark with that one. No, <laughs> you didn't. talk about the celebrities no, I interviewed, didn't. but you know, you know me, you know me. But you know, I did a little bit of homework, so I kind of knew where you were going with that. That's why I, I set you up on that one. <laughs> So um, anything else you want to add? Um, anyone who's interested in learning more about Anne um, and her business um, and how she helps people uh, be better at um, presenting themselves on Zoom and making presentations in a more professional way, you can check out her website. I will put um, all of those details in the bottom of this video so you can click on it and go check her out. Her online course is Live Impact uh, Live Impact Online. So if you want more details, you can go there too. Um, I want to thank you for being so authentic and open and real and sharing your story. Um, it is important. I'm going to be cheering for you. And uh, yeah, come back. Come back and talk to us. Tell us how things are going. I will. Thank you, Silva. And, um, you know, I think every conversation we've ever had has been meaningful, <laughs> even if it's in passing, as we chase people down the street. And there was something magical about you when I first met you. And although we were competition, I just knew you were special and someone who I wanted to be friends with and would be honored to be friends with. So although we've all gone through our own things over the years and we've lost touch of certain moments, um, this is a relationship, as I mentioned before, that really means something to me. And so I'm very thankful for this opportunity and to talk with you again. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Um, thank you for listening to another edition of the Silver Hara Petty on Show. We'll see you next time. Okay.